0: Welcome to StarCast, a show about tarot, divination, and all things mystical. StarCast is a celebration of StarCon, the Southeastern Tarot Artist and Readers Conference. I'm Amy Mauser, and here's your host, Christiana Godet.
1: Welcome everyone to a new episode of StarCast. I am very excited to introduce to you my friend, Beverly Frabel. Beverly, how are you? I'm wonderful, and thank you so much for having me here. It's such a pleasure. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy to have you. So, Beverly, you were a presenter at StarCon 2021. You are also a member of our Constellation, which means you are part of our decision-making and and workhorse body, Um, and, and we'll have some tasks for you for 2022, Right. In 2021, of course, you did this great workshop on comparing and understanding the the three styles of tarot. Right. Right. Um, The way the Marseille and what I always call the Crowley, because I have no idea how to pronounce that word. Is it Toth? Is it Toth? Is it Thoth? Is it Tohote? How do you say it? I say Toth, but you know, you will find
0: varieties of that. That's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and yep. do you work with all three of those decks?
0: I have. Um, right now, I'm and right now I'm mostly dedicated to Terra Marseille. But I mean, I the Toth intrigues me. Uh weight. or wait, I'm, you know, nothing, no offense to anyone, but I'm kind of bored with that. I mean, <laughs> so I, I've really been
1: using that a lot, but now <laughs> I'm
0: ready to, you know, I'm exploring other areas.
1: Yes, and in fact. Uh, we will give people just a, a, a little teaser here. We uh, i have already roped you in to mm-hmm. presenting at StarCon 2022, uh, which, of course, will be a hybrid presentation in person in Palm Beach Gardens and also online on Excelevance. And um, you're going to be presenting something else I don't know how to pronounce. It's called. Uh,
0: yes, it's O-G-H-A-M. And people probably have seen it everywhere. And it's simply pronounced Om, um, kind of like O-M, like a meditative chant. Um, okay. And it's Celtic, and it dates back to, don't quote me on this, I think it's the 1300s. But it, it goes way back. There, It's fascinating history. And it basically, it on, also honors trees, which are near and dear to my heart. As you can kind of see from the necklace I'm wearing, if you can see oh, that, it's, oh, it's a Labradorite. Isn't it beautiful? Labradorite with a tree on it. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. I've forgotten. Some of us won't see it in, in person, but um, it honors trees. And every staff, as they're called, is made from a different tree, um, wow. and they're all meaningful. And they all have symbols on them, very similar to this. Each symbol is a meaning. Each tree adds significance to it. So what we'll be doing is we'll be talking about the tree it's made from, why it's chosen for this symbol, what the symbol means,
1: and how to use these for divination. And now if people want to be prepared for this workshop, uh, can they buy a set? Do you have to make your own set? How does that work? Well, a lot of people are really uh, filled
0: closer to a set they personally make. I have not yet done that, but I intend to. Uh, But you can also buy sets on Etsy. You can Uh buy them other places as well. But I'm telling you, the ones on Etsy are are somewhat reasonably priced or small. You can spend up to like $200 or more because some of these woods that are made from this, Mm -hmm. the trees themselves, don't exist here in the United States. They only exist in, you know, like Wales or over in the UK or someplace like that. So, I mean, if you get a genuine set of real, the real tree, the stock, if you will, um, then you need to have it purchased by somebody over there uh, or or from somebody over there. And I will be giving good links to do that. Um, There's great sites to go ahead and do that.
1: So you'll be getting all that information in the class as well. Wonderful. So that helps get us excited for StarCon 2022, which, of course, will be January 21st through 23rd. But you're here today to teach us something. Yeah. What are you going to teach us? Well, actually, what I'm really kind
0: of uh, uh, turned on to, if you will, is, is going beyond the keywords and, and doing your divination beyond what you typically associate with the cards that you see and, and interpret in the way that you normally do. It's kind of another layer to add on to the interpretation you give when you do a divination. And what I've done is over the years I've collected a lot of information when I've had different classes. Um, Camelia Elias is notorious for this, is reading beyond the textbooks, if you will. Uh-huh. And she's a great teacher and one of my main inspirations as to how to look beyond what is uh, what is uh, in your mind and actually read what you see. So, uh-huh. she teaches stuff. It can be as simple as. Looking at the number sequence and seeing if there are a lot of low numbers and then suddenly goes to eight or nine, you know, and what that leap might mean in your reading, you know, or vice versa. Or if there are like sequence numbers, but one is missing, what might that mean in your mind? Same for suits. If you see a lot of swords, for instance, a lot of wands, you don't see any cups at all, and yet you have a lot of cards or there's only one or two, you know, to interpret and give thought to that when you're reading, um, she's really big on the expressions and what the characters are looking toward. And I actually have uh, an example here. I can tell you, with, and I know people won't be seeing this, but if you look at the Tarot Marseille and you look at the star and you look at the temper- Temperance card, okay. uh, I'll be showing it for those that are seeing it. Okay, You can see in the Tarot Marseille, the Temperance card fills the frame, if you will. It's one of the biggest characters in that deck. And look at the similarity. If you have the cards and you're able to pull them up, if you're not looking at this online um, and see they're both bending slightly in one direction. You know, notice things like that, and what that might mean when you're interpreting it. May mean nothing, but it may catch your eye if you think to look for things like that. You know, they're both working with water, obviously. Um, In the Temperance card in this particular deck, you don't even see her feet, which is unusual. You know, a lot of times you do see their feet and one in the water, etc. So notice differences like that, and interpret them into the reading that you have. Another thing I think is really fascinating if you give thought to it are the colors that you're seeing. You know, I never really, uh with Toth, it's pretty evident. If those of you who use a Toth deck, you can tell the colors are very symbolic of the suits. I mean, you almost feel the passion of the color and feel the passion of the suit because of the way that they've done their cards. But in Rider Waite, for instance, if you look at um, the Five of Swords, the Page of Pentacles, the uh, Seven of Wands, and the Four of Cups, if you pull those out, um, I'm going to show them for those that are seeing it visually. That's what the four cards look like here. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the few, some of the few, let me say, cards that show the character in green. Now, these colors on this particular deck are not that vivid. Mm-hmm. But most of the Rider weight decks, you can see the characters are wearing green. Now, what's interesting to me is that's not typical in a lot of the characters shown in the Rider weight deck. And there's seven colors in tarot that were used to make a tarot deck. Um, they're white, black, yellow, red, blue, green, and flesh. Those are the seven colors that most decks have in
1: common. And when you say flesh, you mean Caucasian flesh. Well, yes. Thank you for pointing that out. How yes. About beige. <laughs> <laughs> they call it flesh, but yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: It's Caucasian flesh, and you know, and some of the different decks obviously have different colors. Uh-huh. But those are the seven colors that are typically called tarot colors, right? Uh-huh. And the green in the tarot color, is they say the green signifies struggle, growth, change, nature. What's fascinating, if you think about that definition of what green represents, and you look at these cards that I've named, I mean, each of them are showing struggle, growth, change, and nature. So what's fascinating to me is before you even really give thought to recognizing the colors in the card, your mind... Um, intuitively is doing interpretations before you really even realize it, similar to how we breathe. You know, it's breathing without us thinking about it, right? Right. So there are things going on behind your mind that are already interpreting part of these cards that you may not be aware of and things you may want to take time to note that you may typically not notice. And those are all things that I really encourage people to do because it really does alter the reading sometimes one other example i'll give is uh, in toth because I, I like to at least represent every every card I, i'm
1: so appreciating that you're doing that yes yeah yeah and if in toth
0: if you look at um, the four of disks and the six of swords now those two cards are very similar in shape if you if you Uh-oh. if you happen to notice that I mean, the the four of discs clearly has a square, and it's very organized looking, and it looks like this in the orange. I'm showing it online for those of you who are seeing us online. Right, so
1: the four of discs has a square, yes. and then four squares within it. Exactly. Now, it's what like very we, orderly. And, what we and this over one, here?
0: this one is a six of swords. And you can see the, the square is kind of tilted. There is a square there, but it's very tilted. It's, it's really a diamond. As yeah, well, it's, it's actually there. tilted in a way that appears to be a diamond. Right. And it's really askew, if you want to use that word. You know, there's there's just some organization that doesn't appear there. I mean, things are a little bit out of way. So out one of is
1: more organized and, and set, and the other is less organized and maybe more in motion. Exactly. So if you're doing a reading and these two show up now, they
0: that may mean that you want to give thought to how they relate to each other and what that may add to your divination and what, it, you know, how that may influence this organization you're seeing and then this or vice versa. Um, those patterns. And this is this uh, methodology. Some people refer to as pattern reading. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of people uh, consider it to be an advanced way of reading, um, Uh because it kind of surpasses all the things that you learn from all the books that you might read about the meanings of these cards. Uh And and that's the sort of stuff that fascinates me, because if you go back to the history of tarot, um, a lot of the meanings, quote unquote, that we associate with tarot today, are people's opinions that have evolved into, quote, unquote, facts of meaning, sure. you know? Sure. And I like to question stuff like that. <laughs> so that led, to, that led to a study on this whole topic. And that's pretty much uh, what I was going to encourage people to start to do.
1: So I love that. And I, I certainly, as far as, like, the trends of distribution in terms of numbers and suits, yeah. I think that's something that... Um, I would, I would say most readers who do a good job reading, think about, you know, that's something that you think about. And, you know, even, and I, I like that you say intuitively because you, you may or may not like really sit there. I mean, sometimes I'll sit there and count them, ah, okay. um, you know, okay, how many cups, how many swords, what, you know, which is more, sometimes I'll do that. And sometimes it's just like, oh man, there's a lot of swords there. Right? <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that there is an intuitive thing. Now, I love looking at the patterns. And I think no matter what deck you're working with, there are cards that will strike you visually, whether yes. it's by the color or the pattern yes. of being very similar. Mm-hmm. One being a progression from the other or mm-hmm. being very different. Yeah. Yeah. And whether we do that consciously or intuitively, subconsciously, I think it—it it almost has to be a part of how you read. Like you know, I, okay, here's here's the thing. Here's what really ticks me off. <laughs> okay, it's when people think that a tarot reading or really any kind of random token divination reading is simply giving a series of keywords or textbook interpretations. That is not a freaking reading. I'm sorry. It's not. I agree. Yep, absolutely. There has to be an extrapolation. Right. And that can be an extrapolation based on the context of the question, Yeah. based on, as you say, like what you're really talking about is how the cards relate to each other, right? how the right. cards speak to each other. Uh, that's also how we extrapolate. That's how you do a reading. And I think it's funny that this is being taught as an advanced level skill, because in my mind, if you're not doing that, you're not doing a
0: reading. I think, you know, a lot of times it's identified that way because it's new to some people that have been reading or are learning reading. And it's not a methodology that's, that's used in a lot of intro books, if you will. I mean.
1: Yeah, man, we screwed up with that. That's not right. Yeah. yeah. That's the point. It should be. Yeah. Now, what is a new concept to me, though, that I wanted to ask you about is (laughs) when we look at like when you said like how the people are leaning. Ah. Certainly, I have noticed, especially in relationship readings, I have noticed like are the people Looking at each other, looking in the same direction, looking away from each other. You mm-hmm. know, that can tell you a lot in a relationship reading about how people are communicating and getting along. Oh, but yeah. you mentioned two characters in two different cards where they're both leaning in mm-hmm. a particular direction. Right. What right. would that say to you in a reading?
0: Well, you know, again, like you mentioned or referred to, it, it depends on the reading, the question of the the flavor of, of the huh. other cards um now in this case I use temperance and the star as an example and uh-huh. Tarot how they're both kind of leaning to what would be their right actually <laughs> <Fair enough>. okay, <laughs> okay. their
1: right are their you know, stage their right stage left so yeah, is right left. exactly <laughs> yeah you know and, and I tend
0: to look at the, the the right as being uh when I'm reading I tend to look at the right as being the future, the left as being the past, but I also could look at the left as being incoming energy and the right being expelling energy. You know, I mean, I, it depends, you know, and I can mean it can mean it's looking at or leaning toward the cards on the left or the cards on the right, you know, um, it, it's never the same for me. And, and that's, what's fascinating about tarot, you know, because somebody told me the other day uh, that The first the first time ever they got the chariot card and they saw a wheelchair and they never saw a wheelchair in the chariot card before. And it ended up being pertinent to the particular reading that they were giving. And that's a great example, because that happens. You know, yeah, yeah. You don't know where you don't know why, but it's exactly what hits you then. Um, and where does that come from? That comes from wherever all these other
1: things come from, you know? Well, and I think that really is the, the psychic and intuitive aspect of divining with pictures. Yeah. you know, whether we're talking tarot, oracle, you know, whatever, you know, cardomancy, whatever cards we're working with. Yeah. And I think the more that we think about these things, you know, and that's the whole thing is how much of this is cognitive front brain and how much of it is intuitive. And maybe one becomes the other. Like if you, if you're taught, like you're teaching us right now to think about these things and you can be guaranteed that for the readings I do for the rest of the day, I'm going to be looking for those patterns. I'm, you know, I'm going to be looking at that maybe more than I normally consciously do. Well, you know, the the part of it that fascinates me
0: is um, I don't know if we need to give thought to it or just uh, let it flow more easily Mm -hmm. than it might, you know, stop Mm -hmm. blocking it. Um, And and that's the part that, you know, is unknown to me. But, you know, there's a lot of studies on brain activity that will tell you that all these things are going on before we even are aware, you know, And, and that's the stuff that fascinates me and how we get that to flow better. It is really part of what I think this is about, too. Mm-hmm. Now, I've met people that that divine with skeleton keys, and that's st- some of what I've been studying. That and ribbons, um, how to divine with ribbons, and tea leaves, of course, is another thing where sure. you get some kind of visual, you know, and you work with that. Right. Um, all those things are things I'm studying right now because I want to see how all the divination tools tie together, not just cards. Because I think there's so much more going on with other tools that we weren't giving thought to um, that we never thought to use in our divination. And we can mix and match and we can make it all work
1: that way. And and that's what I want to do. Wow, that is so great. And so I think that's that's so uh, such a good way of helping us understand who you are, Beverly, and sort of how you come at all of this. yeah. Uh, you and I have known each other for a while. And, of course, we know each other through the tarot world. You know, right. and that's what unites most of us. Yeah. But that that idea, that love of divination yeah. and the recognition that people have been divining, you know, really probably since the very beginning of time, people have been divining long before there were printing presses, long yes. before there were cards. Yes. People were reading The Wind in the Grass. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's
0: part of what this OM divination that I'll be talking about in StarCon is about. This is this back like in the, I want to say the 12 and 1300s, you know, um, where, you know, sticks were used, mm. you know, symbols on sticks were used to divine. And you can go to Ireland even today and you can see rocks with the same the same symbols that are on these sticks, and there's a whole language that a whole message that they're delivering, and they exist over there. And There are people that take tours just to see those rocks, um, and they're very meaningful, you know. And it's a whole culture outside of what we're used to here in the United States, you know. And it it's existed way before we did. I mean, way before the United States did. <laughs> um, you know, uh, <laughs> it's,
1: right? It's a fascinating thing. Yeah, it goes uh, way back. You're right. That is is so wonderful. So we are really appreciative of what you've just shared with us. And I think I, I love what you say about just allowing it, you know, and, mm. and we talk a lot about allowing the cards to speak. Yeah. But we don't talk so much about what that actually means. And I think that you very succinctly mm. have given us some, some real operational ways of doing that. So we we really appreciate that. And we are really looking forward to your presentation at StarCon 2022. Well, thank you. Uh, Tickets are, at at this recording, tickets are not yet available, but they will be really soon. So everyone should make sure they keep their eye on the website. That's StarCon.com. And that's StarCon with two A's, S-T-A-A-R-C-O-M. Beverly, we are just so excited to have you as part of our StarCon community. You the honor is all mine. Thank you, Christina, uh, <laughs> for putting it together. It's a beautiful thing. Well, thank you for being part of it. You know, when I, I first got the group together, what I did was I created on Facebook Messenger a group, put you in it along with a few people, and I called it like our conference in Florida. <laughs> That's right. And you were the first person that came back. It was like, Oh, we're doing this? (laughs) Yeah, I was excited. (laughs) Right. But, you know, without your enthusiasm and, and what you're really willing to bring to this, it wouldn't happen. No one person can build a community. No one person can make this kind of thing happen. So I'm just super grateful to you and super grateful for what you bring to the StarCon community and also what you brought to us today. Thank you. Thanks for
0: joining us for StarCast. For more information about our annual conference, visit us online at StarCon.com. That's S-T-A-A-R-C-O-N.com. We are looking forward to seeing you in January.